1: It's not like Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin are going to come out and boast about the qual... Wait, wait, they're doing what? No, that's fine, because it's all correct. Good morning to you. Good Sunday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is a special, extra, super important bonus edition of Daily Shot of Steelers, which usually comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The Steelers concluded their remarkable 2023 draft class yesterday with four more picks, after which Tomlin and Khan came out and met with those of us in the media again, as they always do. It's after the first round and then after the whole draft is complete. And look, there are times when you hear people in these positions say, we can't believe so-and-so fell to us. Or, wow, we had that individual so much higher on our board and you don't believe a blessed syllable of it. Not this time. Not this time. Here's Omar. Uh, Productive weekend. I really feel like we're a better football team. Uh, today than we were at 7:59 on Thursday. Um, can't wait till we get to the uh, rookie mini camp in a couple weeks and really see our new Steelers in action. Um, it's going to be fun. And I, I think we're uh, in a good place. And here's Tomlin.
0: Feel really good about the weekend, uh, but probably equally as important, I felt good about the process, and I think that just tees up the weekend. And we've talked quite a bit about that. Um, we rolled our sleeves up and. We got on the road and did all the things that we needed to do, utilize all the opportunities to, to engage with these young people, man, and get a sense of what they're capable of and how they might fit. And I just think that when you do, when you do a good job of that, it creates weekends like we experienced. And so we feel good, but obviously the quality of this weekend will be played out over the next three to five years in the careers of these people. And, um, you know, we got some responsibility in terms of that work as well. Um, They're the product. We're the source. It's our job to help them grow and develop, Um, and and we're excited about getting started uh, with that.
1: Now, I would love to tell you that they were both being, you know, extra reserved or whatever, but then Tomlin later on in discussing his rookie GM seated to his left said there's a reason that we call him the con artist as if he wasn't already having enough nicknames produced on his behalf on social media. Uh, It's been a three days for this football franchise. Even if you go past Broderick Jones, and that's almost always how we would define any draft class. Who was the first rounder? I don't care about after that, but who was the first rounder? You go past Jones, you get to Joey Porter Jr., you get to Keanu Benton. You get to Darnell flipping Washington with your fourth pick. If he's seen as healthy, he is a top 15 overall player in this draft. And then you start getting into some of the picks that were added yesterday. Notably, Nick Herbig, the outside linebacker, who's apparently going to be that guy behind TJ Watt. and. Alex Highsmith in the outside linebacker rotation, a spot that the Steelers had foreseen for Bud Dupree. Didn't work out. Two other players were selected. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. Both of them in the seventh round. Purdue corner Corey Trice Jr., Maryland offensive lineman Spencer Anderson, All right, so no one's going to talk about the seventh rounders. We can at least agree on that much. There were also some interesting undrafted free agents that we'll go over in the days and weeks to come. But when you just go at these – I'm not even going to say first four guys. I'm going to include Herbig because Herbig was definitely someone on the Steelers' uh, radar. And I say that not just because they had just signed – his brother Nate, an offensive lineman in free agency, but because that's something that had become known. They really liked Nick Herbig. They were able to get these players, all five of them, at the slots where they felt most comfortable getting them. Now, I want to make this point, and I want to make this clear. It's not just the quality of the class that's been assembled that makes this an impressive piece of work by Omar. It's not. More than anything, and I would put this at number one on the list of things that impressed me about him over these last 72 hours, it's that he was able to move up and down the draft as needed, as warranted, and get his guys every step of the way, whether it was up or down, did you know that in Omar's previous capacity, serving under Kevin Colbert, one of his main jobs heading into a draft was to constantly be aware of what he had to give up in order to move up and what he had to concede in order to move down? He was that guy. They would be working on something. Everybody else at the table, Colbert and Tomlin and Art Rooney and whoever else is sitting there, they would turn to Omar and say, Omar, what do we need to do to move up? And he would say, Well, you need to give up a third and a fifth. And he could do that without having to, you know, open up a book or, you know, pull out a calculator or do some kind of historical studies because it had all been done. This is what I'm talking about when I say preparation. So if you rewind to the first round and you see not only that Broderick Jones is falling, but also that other teams are snapping up offensive linemen. Oh, and also that the Jets are most likely going to take Jones unless you overtake them. You're looking for a trade partner. You want to move up. Who's going to be willing to move up? Who's going to do it at the right price? First thing that happens, Omar says, we're not going any higher in what we give up than the 121st overall pick. Tomlin agrees. There they go. And I'm not guessing at any of this, by the way. This is stuff that's been relayed. From there, who do you call? Well, call the one team that would most like to stick it to the Jets, right? And that would be somebody in the AFC East call the Patriots? Wow, do you even have their number? (laughs) So you call Bill Belichick. Belichick's like, yeah, man, I'll do that. I'd much rather have a clear path to Aaron Rodgers twice a year. So that gets done. That gets done. Now, what you can't control is Porter falling from wherever you thought you could have gotten him at 17 down to 32, there's some luck in that. But there's also not a rush, not a push to go up and get him. There has to be an awareness. There has to be a feel for the overall scene. Omar wasn't about to give up another one to go up and get Joey. Why? Why? Eh, He's not going to tell us that. But again, if you're surveying the whole landscape... You see who needs a corner, who doesn't, who might uh, prefer a different type of corner to a press corner, who might favor takeaways versus just staying with somebody the way Porter does. Hey, whatever it is, he stayed at 32. He then further played the rest of the market for an entire day, seeing if someone would give up something unsightly, meaning on their part to have that 32 pick it didn't happen it didn't happen doesn't mean it wasn't worth the effort all it takes my friends is one chicago one phone call from the bears for you to say hey everybody stop everything it's the bears keep it down all right i really want to hear what the bears have to say didn't happen fine you get porter you get a guy you were looking at earlier and then it just continues. The one that still blows me away is getting to, to Darnell Washington. The whole thing about Darnell, Darnell Washington being a stealer right now blows me away. Okay. But getting to the point where you're there, you're in the third round, you have the 80 pick, you can have Washington. You can have Washington at 80. You don't have to go anywhere. But there was going to be this big, ugly gap between that pick and waiting all the way till the seventh round. And no good general manager likes to have their scouts just sitting idle. It's a demoralizing thing. It demoralizes them throughout the scouting season. Because they think, what am I even doing this for? We don't have any picks. We're not going to pick the guy that I'm looking for. You want to make sure that you have picks for the scouts. If you think I'm kidding about that, ask anyone who is a sports executive across the professional world. So Omar says, we want, we want Washington. We've got him a lot higher than this on our board. That is something that he conceded yesterday. But I can still move down and get another pick. So he goes from 80 all the way down to 93. 13 picks are dropped. He's got to sit there through 12 other teams, knowing that the player who's already on their board, who's already the guy they want, could be taken by any of them. How? How do you do that? Okay, this is what we're talking about here. And as Omar himself put it, whenever this scenario came up yesterday, he said, hey, this is how we end up with a with a Nick Herbig. We really like Nick Herbig. This is how we got him. You know, that's that's something. That's something, my friends. That's something in and of itself to celebrate even before you get to cheering on these individual players. When we come back, J1Q. today's j1q comes from aaron who very excitedly shares man this draft makes me appreciate even more that kevin colbert's gone i must admit that i was worried about this tandem gm move but now i love the con and white old duo they are killing it aaron i'm Both grateful for you as a listener and glad that you sent this in, but you're not going to like this response. I do hope you stick with me after hearing it. First off, being delighted that Colbert is gone is a mistake on so many levels that I don't even know where to begin. You're free to feel whatever you want. Anybody is. But Colbert set this stage that you're seeing over the course of 20 years of hard work. Colbert himself had some exceptional drafts. Colbert got TJ Watt, who, with all due respect to everyone who was just drafted these last couple days, is going to be better than any of them. Okay? Now, beyond that, Omar himself would be the first to tell you. No, no, no. He'd throw himself in front of a moving train to tell you that everything he learned, he learned from Colbert. Everything about the way His operation had been founded, he got from Colbert. He has, along the way, changed some things. Mike Tomlin estimated that you're probably talking about, I think he said, 85% of the way we're doing everything is the way we've always done it, and the rest of the 15% is stuff that Omar changed or Andy changed. Other thing that you got wrong is referring to Omar and Andy as a tandem or a duo. They are not that. And believe me, Omar would throw himself in front of a moving train to tell you that too, okay? Wink, wink. But he would. Omar is the general manager. Andy's the player personnel guy. Andy's role in this draft, just to make sure that everyone has that, and that, again, is the reason that I'm legitimately happy that this question's here. His role was to build the big board. And the big board becomes... It's it's the guide. It's the walking stick through the wilderness for everyone involved once it's formed. That doesn't mean that Andy does it by himself. Furthest thing from the truth. He has a lot of scouts. He has a lot of help. And yes, he has input come from above as well, meaning from Omar, from Tomlin, even from Art Rooney. When they put this together, do they adhere to the big board religiously? No, no. And I've been telling you guys this for weeks. They'll slide around as needed. They'll prioritize other things based on positional needs. Duh! Like, of course, why wouldn't you? If you get your left tackle with the 14th overall pick, but you had anticipated on your big board not getting one of those until here or there or wherever else... You're just not going to take the next left tackle that shows up on your big board. You're going to look in that range. You're going to look in that area of five to ten players. Who's still left that's on our board, that's on the Steelers' board? And that's who you like. But then, then that's where you get to the stuff that I was talking about in the opening segment. That's where Omar and Omar alone makes the call. That says, listen, I know we love Washington. I know we love him and I know we're picking 80th. I am telling you right now, guys, I am looking at the rest of this. I'm looking at the teams and I'm hearing this offer to slide down and also to get another pick somewhere in that range where you guys can get. You're Nick Herbig, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Washington is still gonna be there at 93. And I mean again, think about this. If if you're the uh, all the rest of the guys in that room who just want Washington, can you please just knock it off and just get Washington? You gotta be going nuts. You're probably cussing out Omar under your breath. But Omar gets Washington. Omar hangs on, gets Herbig. That's all Omar. People have been asking for years and years, what's the separation between what this person does and what that person does at the draft? Probably the one thing that can most illuminate what occurred at this event is that the difference has never been more obvious than it was this weekend. I'm going to repeat. If you want to choose to bury Colbert over that, go nuts. I am instead Going to choose to praise Colbert for his tenure here. And oh, by the way, another thing praise Colbert for having chosen the correct successor to be the GM. I appreciate the question. I do. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers, especially over a weekend. You guys are nuts. You could have just waited till Monday. You know, we'll we'll do another one of these tomorrow anyway. All right. Thanks for listening.